Jeremiah, great book, a major prophet in the Old Testament. You have your major and minor prophets. The minor prophets isn't because they weren't as important. It doesn't mean that they weren't as important as the major prophets or they were more special. The reason they're designated as major and minor prophets is because the major prophets wrote more than the minor prophets. But the word of God by major and minor prophets were, were both equal in importance. All right. So Jeremiah being a major prophet in the Old Testament, chapter 1 is, is Jeremiah's call and his commission. He gives us Jeremiah's call and his commission. The book of Jeremiah is the life story of one of Judah's great prophets during the nation's darkest days. There was apostasy in Jeremiah's day. There was idolatry. There was depraved worship. There was moral decay. And these were the conditions that Jeremiah lived in at that time. And these were the conditions that Jeremiah had to minister in. And there was a ton of judgment that was coming. And Jeremiah is called by God to declare that message faithfully. And he did it for 40 years. But in response to his sermons, Jeremiah experiences extreme sorrows by his fellow countrymen. Jeremiah experienced opposition from his fellow countrymen. He experienced beatings, isolation, and imprisonment. But even though Jeremiah was rejected and persecuted, Jeremiah lives to see many of his prophecies come true. He saw the Babylonian army arrive. He saw vengeance fall. And he saw God's holiness and justice justified. And even though it broke Jeremiah's heart. The introduction to the book is... The book of Jeremiah is the prophecy of a man that was divinely called in his youth. The book of Jeremiah probably shows more clearly than any other book in the Bible the personal struggles of a prophet of God. Jeremiah honestly shows his inner struggles, his inner turmoil concerning his call to prophetic ministry. Jeremiah's distress over the message of judgment that was on his people and the coming destruction of the land was really, really overwhelming him at times. And yet, despite his, his anguish, he fulfilled his ministry of announcing God's judgment against the people of Judah for their idolatry and their unfaithfulness uh, to the covenant and their stubborn disobedience of God's will. As Paul said in Colossians 4.17, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. And he did just that. He fulfilled the ministry that God gave him, even in spite of all the negativity that he went through. And Jeremiah was recognized for a long time as one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. And he serves to this day, he's an example of somebody who stayed faithful to God in spite of the many hardships that he went through. The purpose for the book of Jeremiah is that Jeremiah, that, that God is seen in Jeremiah as patient and holy. And the purpose of Jeremiah was to urge God's people to turn from their sin and turn back to God. God has delayed his judgment and he's appealed to his people to repent. Before it's too late. God's warning was clear. Judah's time for repentance would soon be over. 
because they disobeyed God's words and they refused to repent, the Babylonian captivity was a sure thing. It was inevitable. Jeremiah listed the moral and spiritual causes for their coming catastrophe. But he also gave them God's gracious promise of hope and restoration. There will always be that small remnant of people that walk, that, that walk with God and God will establish a new covenant. The date, the date written of Jeremiah's book during Jeremiah's ministry from 627, 586 B.C. Now, if you were to judge Jeremiah's ministry by worldly standards, he'd be considered a big-time failure. For 40 years, Jeremiah served God as God's spokesman to Judah. But when Jeremiah spoke, nobody paid any attention. And without fail, and passionately, Jeremiah advised the people to take action, to listen to the message of God, but nobody budged. Nobody moved. And he for sure did not achieve material excess. Jeremiah was poor, and he went through heavy losses to deliver God's word to the people. Jeremiah was thrown into prison. He was thrown into a dungeon. He was taken to Egypt against his will. He was rejected by his neighbors, his family, the false prophets, his friends, his audience, and the surrounding kings. All through Jeremiah's life, he stood alone, giving out God's message of judgment and announcing the new covenant. And he was weeping. He wept over the fate of the country that he loved. And that's why he's known as or called the weeping prophet. In the eyes of the world, Jeremiah was a failure. But in God's eyes, Jeremiah was one of the most successful people in all of history. And you know what? That's who we want to hear from. We want to hear God's view of us, not the world's. In God's eyes, Jeremiah was one of the most successful people in all of history. Success, as measured by God, involves obedience and faithfulness. Success, as measure, uh, measured by God, involves obedience and and faithfulness. No matter what the opposition and personal cost, Jeremiah courageously and faithfully preached to the people the word of God. Jeremiah was obedient to his calling. And as we read Jeremiah, try to put yourself in his shoes and, and, and the struggles, feel the struggles with him as he, as he struggles over the message that he has to deliver to the people and pray with him. You know, for those who, who refuse to respond to the truth of God's word and watch his example of faith and courage. And then like Jeremiah, commit yourself to being successful in God's eyes. In God's eyes. As we begin chapter 1 now, in verses 1 through 4, we are going to see Jeremiah's call and his commission. Let's begin with verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1 of Jeremiah. And it begins, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. Hilkiah was Jeremiah's father. Hilkiah was the high priest who found the book of the law, the word of God, during the time of Josiah. 
And it was the finding of the law of the Lord as given to Moses that started the revival during the reign of King Josiah. 2 Kings chapter 22 and uh, 2 Chronicles 34. And, and I've said this many times and we're saying it again tonight. Revivals are not caused by men. Revivals are caused by the word of God coming alive in individuals' hearts. It's never a man, but always the book of God, the word of God. The word of God is responsible for every revival that's ever taken place in the church. Now, God has used men in in revivals, but it's the word of God that brings the revival. Anathoth. Mentioned here in verses 1-2, it was Jeremiah's hometown. It was a city that was about three miles directly north of Jerusalem. And Jeremiah's calling starts with God being the initiator. Notice in verse 2, it says, to whom the word came. To whom the word came. It came to Jeremiah. Jeremiah didn't go looking for it. One of the things that stand out in God's word is that God always always takes the initiative in man's redemption. He comes looking for you. That's prevenient, pre, pre, uh, pre, prevenient grace. That's what it's called, prevenient grace. In other words, the grace that goes before us. God's grace, he comes looking for me. Prevenient grace. And it, and it produces every moment for good in the world. The grace that goes before us initiates the calling of every man and woman of God. Whether he's to be a prophet in the Old Testament, an apostle in the New Testament, or a modern day smoke, spokesman of God. For Jeremiah, it meant, just like it means for us today, that he was called to speak for God. And the message was not his own. It meant that he had been chosen by God to be his spokesman. And so God was the main driving force behind the life and the work of Jeremiah. Look at verse 3. Notice, it came, that is the word, God's word, it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Jeremiah didn't just minister in in Josiah's day, but he ministered also during the time of Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah. And even though he talked to all four kings very powerfully, the last three kings refused to listen to him. And verses 4 through 7 describes for us Jeremiah's call to the ministry. Let's begin with verse 4. As Jeremiah is now called. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Notice that. Jeremiah says, then the word came to me. How the word, got to, how the word of the Lord got to Jeremiah, we don't know. We, did God speak to him audibly? Did he speak to him through circumstances? Did he send somebody to him? We don't know. But he did get to Jeremiah. And it's recorded here for us as the word of the Lord. What came to Jeremiah? The word of the Lord. And I believe God can speak to us in many ways. God speaks to us through his word, the Bible, as you read it. God speaks through others. Somebody else may come and share the gospel with you. Share God's word with you. It might be through circumstances. Something happens in your life that you know, man, this this had to be God. 
I, I see God's hand in what has happened in my life. It could be audibly. You could hear his voice if God chooses to do so. And if need be, God can speak through a donkey. We see that in Numbers twenty two twenty eight when God spoke to God, when God spoke to Balaam through a donkey. Numbers twenty two twenty eight says, Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam. And God's been speaking through donkeys for a long time. Hebrews 1 1 says, Long ago spoke God many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. So God speaks in many ways. Are we watching? Are we listening? Verse 5. He goes on to say, God goes on to say, Before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. Notice that. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Notice here the assurance Jeremiah speaks with here. Jeremiah is saying in verse 5, God told me that before I was formed in the womb that he knew me. Before I was born, God sanctified me. And he says, God ordained me to be a prophet to the nations. So God is assuring Jeremiah of his call. Jeremiah has no doubt and he's sure about his calling in verse 4. When he says, the word of the Lord came to me. He's saying, this is what God told me. God said to Jeremiah here, before I even formed you in the womb, I knew you, I sanctified you, and I ordained you. Now, why did God say these things to Jeremiah? Why did he give, this, give him this assurance that I formed you, I sanctified you, and I ordained you? Why? Because God is going to ask Jeremiah to give a message to the people of Judah that will be rejected. Because a lot of times when God calls us into ministry or he, whatever our ministry might be, whether it's at home, at work, or it's in, in the church, uh, sometimes it's not going to be received. And then we start thinking, oh, did I make a mistake? You know, was I, was I hearing from God? And the devil's going to come in and say, oh, man, you, knew, you messed up, man. That wasn't God. Jeremiah is assuring, God is assuring Jeremiah that it was the work of God. He says, because people are going to reject what you have to tell them, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is going to be thrown in prison because of the stand that he takes for God. His message will break his own heart because he loved his people. This was a message of judgment. And he's going, man, God's going to come down because of your sins. He's going to come down on you. And it was breaking his heart. And he hated to tell them what was going to happen to them. You know, and I kind of relate that to people that, that you share the gospel with, that, that, are, that are, their life is messed up and they're going through some difficult times. And you know that if they would turn their life over to God, God would make things better. God would enable them to deal with the situations situations they're going through. Or it would keep them from making decisions that would make their their times worse. But but, but they'd rather not. And you go away thinking, oh man, your heart breaks for them because you know what God can do for that person. But you know that if they continue in the way that they're going, that man, they're going to get really messed up. Even more than what they already are. Before the kingdom of Judah goes into captivity, God wants his people to know that God loves them and that he wants to save them and he wants to deliver them from judgment. That's why he chose Jeremiah to tell them this this message that God had for them. So God is saying these things to Jeremiah to encourage him. I I formed you in the moon. I ordained you. I called you. 
I, I, I'm the one who's doing this. I'm behind you, Jeremiah. I want you to know, Jeremiah, the important thing is that I'm the one who's called you. I'm the one who has ordained you. I'm the one who has sanctified you. The word sanctification simply means to set aside for the use of God. Sanctification means to set aside for the use of God. Remember the old vessels that are used in the Old Testament? They were used in the tabernacle and then in the temple. It didn't matter how old those, those vessels were. It didn't matter how beat up they were. God used them in his service. We're called holy vessels, sanctified vessels. And when these old vessels look beat up and, and look like they should have been thrown away and replaced with new ones, you know what? They, they were called holy. Why were they called holy? Because God used them. Anything that's set aside for the use of God is sanctified. And God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, before you were born, man, I set you aside for my use. So don't worry, Jeremiah, about the effect of your message. You just give them my message. And you see, we're, we're, not, to, we're not to worry about the results of the message. That's God's doing. My responsibility is to give the message. And then the rest of work, the rest of it is God's doing. And God expects the same out of you and me. Give the word of God just as it is. That's my responsibility. I'm not responsible to you. I'm not I am, I am responsible to God. And it's too bad if if what the preacher says or what God's man says doesn't please the people. And I don't mean that in a sarcastic way or a belligerent way. It's just the truth. It's the responsibility of the one speaking the word. If you're giving out the word of God, you're responsible to God and you're set aside for that ministry. And then God goes on to say to Jeremiah, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. This gave Jeremiah his authority. I've ordained you. I've appointed you, Jeremiah. You're under my authority. That offered encouragement to Jeremiah that would help him through many dark days in his ministry. So you will be what God wants you to be. Jeremiah is blown away by the responsibility that God has given him that lies ahead of him. And he's surprised and he's nervous. Look at his answer in verse 6. Then I said, Jeremiah said, Oh, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I speak, you shall command. Even though Jeremiah was kind of hesitant here, a little reluctant at this very unpleasant job, he's not refusing to go. He's not telling God, I'm not going, I, I, I won't go. There's nothing here that suggests he's rebelling in his hesitation. Now, Jeremiah here was about or around 20 years old at this time. Now, in the King James Version, it says he was a child. Here he's called a youth because of the meaning of the word. See, child in the way that you think of a child is, is you know, just a small little kid. 
But the word child in the King James is the same word that's translated as a young man in Zechariah 2.4. Therefore, he's a youth, a young man. So what Jeremiah is really saying here is, 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 Lord, look, I'm young. I'm inexperienced. I'm not competent of doing such a job. I'm not prepared to do this. And, and, and Timothy was a young minister. And I know a lot of young people are kind of hesitant about, you know, speaking the word of God and, and maybe to people that are, that are twice their age. But I love something that a veteran pastor once said. He said, as long as you're delivering God's message, don't worry about how young you are. When you open that Bible, you're over 2,000 years old. I love it. It's God's word. Whether you're 20 or you're 70, it's God's word. It's all the same. Do you want to hear God's word based on what it says or because of a person's age? Moses said the same thing to the Lord in Exodus 4, chapter 4, verse 10 and 13. When God said to Moses, hey, you're going to deliver the people, my people from, from Egypt. This is what he said to God. I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. He says, but I am slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever you else, uh, whomever else you may send. God, I can't speak. I have a peach impediment. I'm slow in my tongue. Please send somebody else. And I love this. Have you ever noticed that the man of God or the woman that, uh, uh, that God uses is the one who doesn't think they can do the job? If you think you can do the job, then maybe God can't use you. Why? Because in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 28, God says, I choose the foolish. The word foolish there is morose. That's where we get the word moron. He says, I choose the morons of the world, the fools of the world to put to shame the wise. He says, and God has chosen the weak things. The word weak things means powerless. Flesh is weak. He says, I choose the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things. The word, the base things are of lowly degree, people that are nothing. He says, I choose the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not, that is the nothings of the world. The things which are not, things that are nothing. He says, I use them to bring to nothing the things that are. He says, I use the nothings of the world to bring down and to show the things that the world thinks are important are nothing. He says, why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. So God uses the morons. He uses the powerless. He uses the lowly, those of lowly degree. He uses the things that are nothing. Why? So that when something mighty is done, they go, that guy sure couldn't have done that. God was behind them. God did it through them. Paul's a great example of this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, I didn't come with excellence of speech or wisdom. So Paul was one of the foolish things. Paul said, I didn't know anything but Jesus and him crucified. So Paul was one of the base things. Paul said, I wish, he said, I was with you in weakness, fear, and much trembling. So Paul was one of the weak things. Paul was one of God's nothings, nobodies, who God had chosen and God used him mightily. And you know what? God still does the same thing with men and women today. You and I can easily be too big for God to use. In other words, we think we know it all. We think we got all the talents and the skills and everything that God needs. God, hey, I'm your man. 
you can easily think uh, that, that you know, you're too big for God to use. But you know what? You're never too little for God to use. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, Paul said, There is nothing in us that allows us to claim that we are capable of doing this work. The capacity we have comes from God. So we shouldn't let feelings of inadequacy keep us from obeying God. Jeremiah felt deficient. He felt unfit. He felt unequipped. But listen to what God said to him. God just kind of ignored Jeremiah's words. And look what God told Jeremiah in verses 7 through 8. The Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Notice, do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. God gave Jeremiah three orders. One, go where I send you. Second, speak what I command you. And third, don't be afraid of the people. So you see, you'll go where God wants you to go and you'll say what God wants you to say and you'll do it without fear. And then he gave Jeremiah a wonderful promise in verse 8. Notice what he says. Do not be afraid of their faces for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Jeremiah, I'm going to be with you. And notice. Notice there was a condition attached to this encouraging promise. Jeremiah had to go where God sent him and had to speak what God told him. You see, we can't expect God's blessing and God's presence if, we're not, if we don't do what he asked us to do. Jeremiah, you go where I send you, you do what I tell you, man, I'm going to be there with you. He also had to believe God's promise and prove it by not being afraid of the people. Jeremiah was a courageous man who, who, man, he faced a lot of dangers and a lot of trials, but yet he stayed true to the Lord. He knew the Lord was with him. Just like we should know that the Lord is with us. Because he tells us in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Verse 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. God always carries out his own plans. Jeremiah wasn't left by himself to do what God asked him to do. He didn't do it. He didn't have to do He didn't do it in his own power. God's purpose to set Jeremiah apart for a special service is now accomplished by God's divine touch. And at the touch of God, Jeremiah officially became a prophet. And from this time on, God's anointing would encourage Jeremiah to speak out the word of God. He says, Jeremiah, I have put my words in your mouth. Just like he told Moses. When Moses was reluctant to go as God commanded him, the Lord said to Moses, Moses, who made your mouth? (laughs) Who made man's mouth? Who makes the mute? Who makes the deaf, the seen, or the blind? God says, have not I, the Lord? And then he said, now therefore, Moses, you go and I I will put with your mouth, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Exodus 4, 11 and 12. So Jeremiah is now qualified to carry out his job as God's prophet. So God accomplishes his purposes by the power of his spirit. Verse 10. 
See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Jeremiah's ministry was tough. It was hard. Why? Because he had to tear down some things. Before he could get build, before he could build up, he had to root up some things before he could plant. And it might seem a little strange that God's plans sometimes involve negative measures. But there seems to be a rule in the universe that some things have to die in order for other things to live and grow. Evil has to go so that good can flourish. Jesus said in John 12, 24, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. The old, evil, wicked Judah has to be swept away so that a purified remnant of people can return to build a new Jerusalem. But God ends with a positive word in verse 10. To build and to plant. In other words, there's hope for a better day. When the negative things, when the negative element is, is removed, the positive can flourish with excitement. Some plants just take up space. They don't produce any flower. They don't produce any fruit. They ought to be pulled up. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 13, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. In other words, any servant of God who feels himself or herself too weak to serve needs to consider these three encouragements. Ask yourself, has God called you? If he has, then he'll equip you and he'll enable you. Second, are you obeying his commands by faith? If you are, then he's with you to protect you. And third, are you sharing the word? If you are, then he'll accomplish his purpose, his purposes, no matter how the people respond to you. Verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Now, after commissioning Jeremiah, God confirmed his word to Jeremiah with two visions. He gave two visions. He gave Jeremiah two visions. The almond tree. What do you see, Jeremiah? He said, I see an almond tree. Well, the almond tree was known as the waker or the watcher. It was the first tree to come out after a long, uh, uh, cold winter. It was the first tree that would come out and bloom in the spring. And like the almond tree, Jeremiah was to be an alarm clock, a waker, a watcher. He was going to try to wake up the people, but they wanted, but they didn't want to be awakened. Jeremiah is going to be a waker to the nation of Judah to wake them up from the, from their, their turning away from God. The vision here speaks of God's concern for the people. Its purpose is to assure Jeremiah that God is fully aware of the situation. God knows what's going on. And that he's watching with constant care to see that his word is carried out. It also speaks of God's assistance in carrying out his plan. God is determined that his judgments will be accomplished in the earth. Men can always work knowing that God is watching faithfully to make sure that his plans are carried out. Verse 12. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. So God says in verse 12, that's right, Jeremiah. I'll give you a word that will wake them up. I will shake them out of their sleep. Verse 13. 
And the word of the Lord came to me, said Jeremiah, the second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot and is facing away from the, uh, from the north. What was the boiling pot? This is referring to Babylon, the city of Babylon. At this time, Babylon was an empire and it was starting to rise. It was starting to, to, to heat up. And before long, they would conquer the Assyrians and then they would make their way down to destroy Jerusalem. So it was to be Jeremiah's job constantly to warn his people what was going to happen to their nation. Verses 14 and 15. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north, says the Lord, and they shall come and each one set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls around. Uh, all, against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. So a century earlier, God had delivered Jerusalem. And now all the false prophets were running around telling everybody that he was going to do it again. The armies of the, of the Babylonian kings were made up of soldiers for hire from all the kingdoms uh, of the north country, which Babylon had conquered. The kings would come and they would camp there. And Jeremiah by himself is going to tell the people about these judgments that are going to come on the nation. And this was, all of this was God's doing. And the reason for God's judgment against the people. Look at verse 16. I will utter my judgments against them concerning all their wickedness. Notice, here's why. Because they have forsaken me, they burn incense to other gods, and they worship the works of their own hands. This was all God's doing. And the reason that God was bringing this judgment against his people because of their idolatry and their sin. It's, it's, it's sealed their doom. It's, it's sealed their fate. Let's close with verses 17 through 19. Therefore, all right. Therefore takes us to what was just said. Therefore, prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar and brawn walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its princes and against its priests and against the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, Jeremiah, says the Lord to deliver you. Jeremiah knew how his own people would react when he gave them God's word. He knew that he'd be personally attacked. He knew he'd be hated by them. But God gave him strength for what he had to go through. In verse 17, he says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, prepare yourself. You shall arise. That is, you shall go and you shall speak to them everything that I tell you. And God, and God says to Jeremiah, don't be dismayed at their faces. Don't be worried about what they look like, how they're responding. God's command was like a powerful shot in the arm to this timid and nervous prophet. And Jeremiah faced his job with, with, with new faith and with courage. Now, there are times when every man and woman of God needs to hear the power of God's voice. Because it helps them like it did Jeremiah. 
to get back, to get back the divine perspective, to get back, you know, God's thoughts and God's ways and God's idea and to get on track and not to take a detour. Not to deviate from what God has called them to do. When dealing with this timid, when dealing with, with his timid and brokenhearted people, divine severity, God's severity is always followed by God's comfort. And his commands are followed by God's promises. He makes a definite promise to the young, inexperienced prophet Jeremiah. Notice what he says here in the last couple of verses. He says, I have made you strong, Jeremiah, like a fortified city that cannot be captured. I've made you like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land, that is the kings, the officials, the priests, and the people of Judah. They will fight you, but they will fail. Why? Because I am with you and I will take care of you, Jeremiah. I, the Lord, have spoken it. You see, courage and inspiration because of what God said to him just flooded his soul. It just poured into his heart. God's word can be trusted. It will never fail us. Divine inspiration grabbed a hold of Jeremiah hard. His official welcoming now into his role of a prophet, God's man, it was now complete. Jeremiah was to be the bearer of the word of God. He was to be a spokesman of God. A a, a for real official prophet now of the Most High God. And Jeremiah continued to go on doing his job under the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you so much for this first chapter of Jeremiah, Lord. So powerful, so encouraging for the servant of God. And this is for anyone called to serve God. Whether in the church, whether at home, whether at the office, at school, wherever it might be, God. We are all called to be servants. And we all need the encouragement that God gave to Jeremiah knowing that he will be with us. He will give us the things to say. He will give us the power to do that. He will give us the encouragement to to continue to go on in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as long as we are walking in the light, the light of his word, he said, I will be with you. So Lord, strengthen us, God. Make this real to us, God. Help us to be all that you've called us to be, God. And to fear no one but you, Lord. We thank you for your word, God. It is powerful. It is sharp like a two-edged sword. Father, build us up. But we know first that you have to tear down any evil work, anything that is that would hinder what you want to do, God. Remove the wicked element that you can build up, that you can plant, God. So, Father, we thank you. We glory in you, Father. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Sunday morning, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8.